Welcome to the Life Giver Marriage Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm honored to share this journey with you. Hi, this is Dr. John Townsend, and you're listening to Life Giver. Hi, this is Taya Kyle, and you're listening to Life Giver. Hey, this is Alex Holroyd with Young Life, and you're listening to Life Giver. Welcome to another episode of the Life Giver Podcast. This is Corey, and today's episode is the final episode of the Moral and Soul Injury series with Chaplain Timothy Mallard. Now, if you have not heard part one and part two, I highly suggest that you stop this recording right now and go straight to those that you have not finished yet. Um, Chaplain Timothy Mallard's um, interview and discussion on what is moral injury and its twin wound soul injury or what he calls spiritual injury is so important to understand that I really would not want you to go into this episode not fully understanding. So um, as I've mentioned before, the new format for the Life Giver podcast is that you're going to be receiving episodes every week and those episodes are going to be a little bit shorter. So that's why uh, part two is about 30 minutes and this one is about 30 minutes as well. So just as a quick reminder, that's one of the new changes. So without further ado, I want to jump right back in to my interview and the conclusion on what do we do with soul injury and how can our marriages be a part of that healing process? You're, you're highlighting that, you know, how do we, how do we also, even within the family system, not just emotionally, but spiritually deal with, um, moral and spiritual injury. So I've talked about, I've sort of highlighted emotional reconnection, but the, but the isolate, there are other means within the family system, two very practical means that I have um, families go through in terms of also wrestling theologically, beginning to wrestle mm-hmm. theologically with, with these other questions are uh, doing devotions. So literally, reading the Psalms and Mm -hmm. discussing the Psalms. Mm -hmm. It's not without, again, a great deal of wisdom that the Psalms are called the prayer book of the Bible Mm -hmm. because they are extremely evocative. Mm -hmm. Just think of the 23rd Psalm. Mm -hmm. Let's take that that many people know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, you know. Um, and, And then in the middle of that Psalm, when David says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's a turning point in that Psalm in which David is saying, this is the depth of my experience, but I won't fear. I will fear no evil. Mm -hmm. So it's centered around the relationship to God is centered around human experience and our response in terms of emotion, right? So, but all 150 Psalms can be extremely evocative and powerful uh, means for discussing, for raising some of these questions. The mm-hmm. psalmist at points, you know, how long, oh God, will you treat me like, will you abandon me forever? You know, mm-hmm. this morning I was reading my devotion, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, what, why have you left me? Yeah. You know, so th- this is right there in, in the Psalms. And so again, it's practical means what things I have families do is mm-hmm. just take one Psalm, read that, discuss that. It, it's mm-hmm. amazing how just that Psalm and the discussion of that raises so many um, of these, again, 
sublimated issues. The other thing that I have people do is commit to prayer. Mm -hmm. And because prayer becomes uh, even not artfully, you know, articulated or anything, but prayer together Mm -hmm. as a family becomes a way for the family to communicate together. If they have particularly in crisis ceased communication um, and begun to restore those relationships with each other and with God. So would you advocate um, a spouse Let's say her, her, the serving spouse, the warrior, let's say, um, is really struggling with that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, would you advocate for the supporting spouse to say, hey, let's start, but maybe for a while, I'm just praying? Absolutely. Uh, I, I, As a first step. Again, that's part of being within the safe space of the family system. Mm-hmm. Or maybe one of the teens. Mm-hmm. Dad, I know it's hard for you to read that verse of scripture or this, this song, I'll read it. Mm-hmm. I'll take the lead on the prayer, you know? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, it, when the family can begin to do these things together, it begins to, again, reconnect them with one another, but surface some of the deeper theological questions. Now, I want to, I want to be completely blunt here mm-hmm. um, not that I've tried to be <laughs> not that I've <laughs> not tried blunt. to dis- dissemble <laughs> but I, I have a particular criticism for the faith communities in this nation mm-hmm. um, when we, we were talking earlier about the the experience of a warrior in the airport and people coming up you mm-hmm. know thank you for your service and I said that people I think are often out of goodwill trying to connect to the military that serves our nation um, but that we're still a a force that's isolated to a great degree from the people that we serve. I want to categorically state that our faith communities have been complicit Mm -hmm. in that isolation from their military. Mm -hmm. I am, I, I can tell you as a warrior, I could give, well, I won't, I won't, (laughs) I wanted to uh, speak too candidly. I, I could care less about a flag waving, sort of God and country service from a faith community. Mm-hmm. Um, I want my faith community to be able to relate to me as a warrior, to us as a family, and mm-hmm. to our community. Um, and, and frankly, I can't think of any major, and when I talk about faith communities, I'm not talking about only Christians. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Protestant Christians, Roman Catholic Christians, um, Jewish faith communities, mm-hmm. Muslim faith communities, we are completely disconnected from the experience of warrior families. Mm-hmm. So when I said that that the American way of war now is for for those warriors to deploy off, mm-hmm. fight, and then come back, um, that's very true of the communities, but a part of that community are our, are our faith community. And for the warrior, to both go and come back Mm. without the sanction of the faith community to send Mm. them with blessing and then to receive them and offer them a place Mm -hmm. to experience forgiveness and wholeness and restoration. Mm -hmm. And the extension of Exactly, that is pastoral um, malpractice Mm. in in my estimation. Um, So- Can I rightly, because I have, I've experienced that right. myself. And so can I possibly 
say that that is my soul injury? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. One of the problems that, that clinicians and pastoral uh, care and counseling professionals, chaplains, ministers are dealing with right now, one of the things we're, the data points we're deeply concerned about is, why are 22 veterans a day committing suicide? Mm -hmm. Now those veterans, this is generally held statistic by the VA, these are post-uniformed mm -hmm. former service members, people who once wore the uniform. Why are they committing the rate of, rate of suicide of 22 a day? Because we have now let them exit the profession, um, perhaps most honorably with their service, but they go back into a, into a society that is disconnected and they have no ability or no place to live out the implications of, of their former calling. And so I, I want to issue a charge to faith communities around this nation to be intentional, mm -hmm. to recover the tradition, which was formerly part of the tradition in this country, and certainly in, in the history of most of the major faith traditions, certainly Christianity, of intentionally, mm. intentionally ministering to warriors and their families such that when they go off to deploy to war, um, they, go th they go with the blessing of the faith mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. And when they return, they return with the blessing and the reintegration of the faith community. Here, here's, here's, uh, here's a very telling, um, I think, uh, example of how important this can be. Um, <clears throat> by the way, one of the things, the antidotes that I talk about, you know, for the faith community to help in this are rites, sacraments, and ordinances. So those are the religious rites, the sacraments that we experience, the ordinances. And one of the ways, one of the expressions of spiritual injury on the part of the warrior who may feel like they're distant from God is, I can't participate in the sacrament. Mm -hmm. I, 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 can't, mm -hmm. I can't accept I'm the tainted. Eucharist. Right, I'm, I'm tainted. Um, I can't watch a baby being baptized, you mm -hmm. know, and, and affirm that. So, um, but those can also be, there are some rites, some sacraments, some ordinances that are particularly helpful in helping the warrior reintegrate into the community. Um, and one of those is, uh, is the right of reconciliation. Hmm. Um, in basically confession and uh, absolution, if you think about it in terms mm -hmm. of like Roman Catholic theology. Mm -hmm. but Which is all, a beautiful thing. It is, but, but, but all warriors, I think, need to, to experience that after they've gone to war. Even if they didn't do anything, you know, for which they feel extreme guilt, perhaps a la moral injury, but maybe they experience something. They, when you see a body blown to, to bits and you have, you have tremendous, you know, that impacts your soul directly, you have to be able to confess that, that experience. You have to be able to articulate that experience. So um, I, I listened to uh, a MARSOC operator, right, a, a Marine Special Operations Command operator um, who had multiple tours in Afghanistan and he, he left the Marines before he retired at 20 said I don't want to do this anymore um, and, and I say praise God he's living a healthful new career but it's not without pain but anyway um, he said I had you know experienced the, the drugs that were given to me by the military medical system I had been through you know uh, clinical therapy and you know 
that it helped to a degree, but I still was burdened. I was burdened. Mm-hmm. I was burdened. I was burdened. And it was only until, in a very sort, almost a sort of chance way, he went to, um, uh, to church and reconnected with, uh, I believe it was an Episcopal priest. Um, and the priest said, would you like to confess? Mm-hmm. Would you like to talk about your experience in confession, in the act of confession, mm-hmm. the formal act of confession? And he said, yes, Father. And he did. And he just poured it all out. And then when the Father granted him absolution and said, you are forgiven in the name of God, he said, that's when I felt the lifting mm. of the burden. So, but that was, that, was an, that was an act of intentional leadership on the part of that mm-hmm. priest, mm-hmm. that religious leader, basically that community. And that's what I want to charge mm-hmm. our, our faith communities in this nation to do. Warriors don't need, you know, services in which... You Everybody know, stands and let's clap for your service. Yeah, where you yeah. saying God bless America or anything like that. We, we don't need that. We need reintegration into the community. I always say I feel like we need to be seen. Mm-hmm. Like truly seen, but not just seen from afar, right? right? Like you're different, you're other, right, right. but that you're seen and accepted mm-hmm. and embraced in the community mm-hmm. and that we can play a part. Again, your healing is our healing, mm-hmm. right? Exactly, exactly. So, okay, so in closing, yes. um, I would love for you to expand on, if you can, this role of forgiveness, but mm-hmm. here's the... Okay. <laughs> the kind of the maybe the catch on that is you've you did a beautiful job on the absolution and that's a good example of that. Um, what about for these soul the spiritual injury where we have nothing to confess? Uh, like what do we do? Because I I have spiritual injury. Right, right. Um, some of that's from the faith community. Mm-hmm. Um, some of a lot of what I go through currently is because of the faith community. <laughs> um, I have um, the, what I have been trying, I've been afraid to label mm-hmm. um, this as moral injury because it didn't quite fit, right? Mm-hmm. But um, this experience of perhaps spiritual injury of that civilian divide mm-hmm. um, or of just something that wounds the soul mm-hmm. and you just don't know how to resolve it because mm-hmm. you want to, maybe the answer is forgiveness of other people, like just, mm-hmm you know, forgive other people. But I know there's so many other people that struggle with some level of spiritual injury. Some, oh goodness, some of these spouses Mm -hmm. feel that their spouse has spiritually injured them. Right. What do we do with that? Well, um, I I think the, the, um, you know, if I said the threat is isolation and, and, and moral and or spiritual injury and the antidote is increased relationships, um, I hope with that, but, but I want to acknowledge that the cost of those increased relationships can be painful reconciliations. Now, we tend to think in, 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 our, in, in the English language of reconciliation as being generally a, a, a good word, a good thing, mm-hmm. you know. Two parties who have celebratory. Yeah, two mm-hmm. two parties who have disagreed and now they've come back. Eh, friends, let's sh- shake on it. But part of the part of the deep wounding of spiritual injury, and and certainly warriors live this out, um, 
is is that the the injuries can be so again, pre, as I say, pervasive and persistent. The the trauma of war, as I one of the ways that I've described, it, it's the most anti-human of experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so the ultimate reconciliation is us to God, and mm-hmm. and war can present an almost a seemingly insurmountable spiritual problem to the to the warrior my god i've experienced this this is certainly a barrier between me and god even if i've overcome you know the barrier that i had put up or we had put up between me and the family system and maybe even i've healthfully integrated into the community certainly god can't get over mm-hmm. the fact that i've been to war even though god was there and knew the warrior's motivation and i mean i mean there's there's a number of theological ways in which you can can address this, but um, the the point is that reconciliation. Um, we misunderstand it if we don't appreciate just how painful that can be, mm-hmm. and um, certainly it is as just as in microcosm. One example of let's say uh, uh, spouses where uh, maybe they've grown very distant, um, and 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 they haven't connected with one another and there's a there's a point of reconciliation not not even let's say that it goes to an affair but mm-hmm. they, but they've grown their their relationship has, has sort of shriveled almost like a plant you know and, and hasn't been nurtured you have to reconcile and and but that reconciliation can be very very painful well um, I, I think we have to appreciate just how painful the reconciliation can be on many levels including with God but it doesn't mean that we we can't not go through with it. I mean, we have to have um, the courage, the spiritual courage to to undertake that. Um, if it's an individual in their relationship to God, one of the great things that I think is is uh, one of the great truths of um, certainly again our our theology as Christians is that God is always there waiting for us. To, to, he's, he's always welcoming of us when we are ready to come back to him. He understands the challenges that we face. He understands um, the potential barriers that are, that are there, but he will never place those in, in our path. He will always be willing to, to welcome us and is ready to, if we, even if we feel like we can't be forgiven, he is willing to reconcile mm-hmm. right with us. Um, but he knows that it takes an acknowledgement on our part that we need that. Right. So I, I would just encourage people, as painful as it is, to to latch onto that that task, that process, because those the, those relationships will only be facilitated when we undergo a process of gen, genuine reconciliation, maybe with others, but certainly also with God. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you two examples. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, if anybody would like to ever do further reading on how important this can be to communities, um, a tremendous example that Bishop uh, Desmond Tutu led uh, the nation of South Africa in, in terms of overcoming the effects of apartheid when they were coming out of that transitioning back from the apartheid political system to now um, a democratic political system. But Tutu, Bishop Tutu and his wisdom, um, said we can't overlook um, the, the the pain that was caused to people, and so they mm. so they set up a politically truth and reconciliation commissions, in which people who had had um, experiences 
um, actual experiences of apartheid with, <clears throat> let's say, the police. Um, uh, the Truth and Recon Reconciliation Commissions um, were focused on bringing accuser and accused face to face. Mm. And this is what you did to me, but I forgive you, right? Um, that's extremely, extremely powerful. Um, most political philosophers will say that that act is one of the key things that helped South Africa avoid going, devolve in, devolving into um, rebellion, anarchy. It, it helped manage a stable political transition to a new democratic system. But that act of reconciliation was critical. I think we have to do the same thing within, within our own human relationships. But I think then we have to be willing to do that again with God. And that's the, the mm -hmm. second example mm -hmm. I was going to tell you about. If you go to St. Paul's Cathedral uh, in London, right, beautiful cathedral, Christopher Wren's magnificent work. Anybody can go in there as a tourist, you know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> over in the west uh, transept, there's a beautiful painting by an artist. And, um, and I believe the title of the painting is Behold, I Stand at the Door and Knock. And it's a painting, the, the, the scripture is, is actually from the book of Revelation, but it's a very simple picture of Jesus standing outside a door, but the door has no handle on the outside. Hmm. So presumably the handle's on, the, only the person inside can open the door. And, and Jesus is holding up his hand, obviously in the act of knocking on the door. Not pushing the door down, uh, but seeking permission to enter into relationship with the person on the other side. Um, years ago, that painting was taken down for some cleaning and restoration. And when they took the painting out of the frame, they discovered that the artist had painted underneath the frame on the edge, forgive me for having taken so long to open the door. Mm. You know? and, and I think that the ultimate act of courage in achieving re reconciliation with God on the part of the warrior and maybe even the family. Um, and again, maybe as you point out, that's the starting point within the family system. But certainly by the, by the end of, our, of all of our relationships is a willingness to, um, to reconnect with the God who is standing there waiting to receive us, who knows what we've experienced, who knows what we felt, who knows what we've thought, mm -hmm. and is willing to re-enter into relationship with us anytime that we, we want to do that. Um, but he's waiting for us to acknowledge that on our part. And if I can take that even then to the next step, would be to then walk with us as we navigate through these human relationships. Exactly. Going back to the to the twenty third Psalm, if one reads that, you know, um, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no no evil, mm -hmm. for Thou art with me. It's one of the great theological confessions of the Bible. Thou art with me. There is no experience that David is saying even in the midst of supreme experience of death, even there you are with me. That is a profound truth of God being present with us, even when we didn't think he was or we were from him. Chaplain Mallard, what an incredible conversation. Thank you for your 
passion in this, for your commitment to it, for sticking around. <laughs> um, even though there's been moments where suffering has been intense enough to you that um, even the temptation to quit was ever in front of you. And um, I know Sharon, your wife, is an incredible mentor for me. Um, and I see you guys living out that purpose and giving back and shaping so much and have, and God has given you great favor and you're so humble, but giving you at least favor and the opportunity to redeem so much of that by now being able to speak to those who have the ability to perhaps change the course and change the design or at least even take small incremental steps to doing that. And so I see God's favor on both of your lives as you're just, this wisdom would not have, you're right, it would not have been there. And I know if we were to have a whole other conversation on suffering, this was just the beginning of it. But I, I have a feeling you and I would both agree that suffering is worth it and that we have the ability to redeem it. Right. We have the ability to redeem it and somehow make our existence on this planet a little bit more, um, what's the word, um, possible, <laughs> we can endure it, but also endure it with community, endure well, it with exactly. each other. And that experiencing that in isolation is really, I think, the greatest lie. It, it is, and, it, and, and I would close with one other thing, an idea that I've written on about suffering, that suffering, again, sort of, it's sort of counterintuitive, certainly countercultural, but from a theological perspective, um, there is, in fact, the reality of redemptive suffering. That suffering can be redeemed for the glory of God and for the edification of other people and even the ennobling and growth of ourselves. That is an incredibly powerful idea, I think. So, but uh, Thank yeah, you. maybe we can have another conversation. Oh, I'd love that. that. From Germany. <laughs> you can, I'll call you it's and you can call me from Germany. Yeah, it's my pleasure to have been here today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these conversations as being free of advertising or sponsorship, please help me by spreading the word to other military and first responder families that might benefit from the show. If you'd like to find out more about me or Life Giver, you can find more information at www.coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org. <laughs>